Greetings, fellow travelers, and welcome to the Way of the Showman. I am Captain Frodo, your gracious host for the next half hour or so. Now, I have been, uh, most of my life, I've just been a performer and traveled around the world doing shows, squeezing myself through tennis rackets or balancing on top of tin cans whilst delivering uh, hope and uh, fun times, uh, messages and philosophy from a topic stack of cans with both of my legs wrapped around my head. So everybody has to do something for a living. But whilst I've been doing this, uh, I've been staying in hotels in London and Paris and Sydney and Melbourne, wherever I have been. I'm currently living in Las Vegas, Nevada. And I've been having a lot of time because the shows are at night. And I, in this time, I think and I write. And for the last two years, I've been writing a blog over at the Carnival Cinema um, blog, which is an online magazine. Just recently actually printed a magazine as well, which is worth checking out. The magazine's called Fluke. I have an article in there. And my series of articles over at the Carnival Cinema is called On the Way of the Showman. This has been an ongoing title throughout my career as a performer and as a, as a writer. Because it's all of my musings and these are sort of loosely based around my fascination with the secret societies and esoteric and occult uh, wisdom and knowledge that I am mixing together with uh, my interest for magic. I started out first as a magician in my father's magic show and uh, I've since then just been collecting all these ideas and it all sort of fits loosely in under this uh, banner of the way of the showman. And uh, I've been writing for about two years, as I say, and these blog posts, they just tend to become uh, a bit too long to read on your phone. It uh, might take you 15, 20, 25 minutes to read one of these posts, and that's kind of too long. That's like six meters of scrolling, and that's too much. You're going to get a tendonitis in your thumb from just scrolling. So um, to stop that, uh, I have been thinking that uh, perhaps I should uh, record it all. I do love podcasts and audio books. I use it all the time. And uh, I thought perhaps this would be a better way for some of you to take it in. I was very pleasantly surprised the other day when I wrote this blog post that I'm going to read here today um, that uh, a lot of people shared it and a lot of people liked it. And uh, even though I had, when I initially thought of doing this podcast, I thought I was going to read the very first of the blog post and then just take it from then on. I, these last few blog posts have been so uh, they've been concerning the specific time that we're going through now it's it's uh, 2020 and we're in the middle of the pandemic and uh, my last two blog posts have been reflecting this so uh, I'm going to start by reading that um, it's obviously it's it's, it's um it's a few weeks old, this is a month old or six weeks old now, something by the time this comes out. So some of these figures might be altered, but uh, it was written with the best possible uh, information at the time. Anyway, thank you so much for uh, tuning in and listening to me sitting here in my uh, studio in a derelict caravan in the hot Nevada desert. I am going to read this... Uh, I say now, and uh, again, thanks for listening. The day that showbiz died. It's a dramatic title. 
The first casualty was crowds, but they took with them the whole of show business. We're a social species, we dread isolation from others. Isolation is how we punish those that are already in prison. As a species, we would rather spend time with murderers and violent criminals than spending time alone with our minds. Also, it's bad for us. Studies have found that social isolation increases your likelihood of dying as much as smoking. No gatherings of people, no crowds. What's left for a showman to do in this new world? How can artists and performers help turn social distancing into merely physical distancing? And what is a crowd in this strange new situation? The Killer the 11th of March, the day before my birthday, all the artists from Opium got called in to an extraordinary company meeting. It was clear that it would be about the COVID-19 pandemic. I immediately felt the stress come on, tingling in my hands and a sinking feeling in my stomach. On this exact day, nine years ago, on the 11th of March 2011, the earthquake which caused the tsunami which destroyed the Fukushima nuclear reactor, that incident led me to losing a year-long contract in Hawaii. Only a few years later, in 2014, I was in a different show in Vegas called Vegas Nocturne, and the casino we worked in got sold from a German bank to an American financial group. It resulted in immediate cancellation of all artist contracts. The business of entertainment is a fickle beast. Those on the way of the showman must be prepared for contracts to fall over on incredibly short notice. The message my boss, Ross Mollison, delivered at the extraordinary company meeting was uh, that they would keep all three of their Vegas shows, Opium, Absinthe and Atomic Saloon, open for as long as possible during the crisis. We all signed a legal document with amendments to our contracts, essentially giving us four weeks' notice, promise of pay for four weeks. After that, the show would take its decisions to stay open or close on a day-to-day -day basis. Anything beyond the four weeks was a bonus. Shit was about to hit the fan. My Awakening the day after the boss's announcement on my birthday, my family from Norway was set to arrive in Las Vegas. My father, my sister and her daughter of seven had already begun their journey, and my daughter, which is also seven, had been uh, looking forward to her cousin coming with considerably more enthusiasm than to Christmas. An hour or so after the boss promised we would stay open, Trump announced the national borders would close. In that moment, in that exact moment, I understood the situation. It had been plain to see, but like a man in a disaster movie, making his bed and mowing the lawn whilst the nuclear bombs are falling, I had refused to accept that everything had changed. I finally woke to the situation. I had to tell my family they needed to reconsider their travel. I think all us adults in the family had refused to see the seriousness of the situation, simply so we didn't have to break our little girls' hearts. I spoke to my sister on the phone two and a half hour before they were about to board the plane from Norway to the United States, and we decided 
that they would have to stay home. We hung up and broke our daughter's hearts. It was terrible. The world collapsed into a black hole of all-encompassing disappointment, pain, and darkness. Closing time. We didn't stay open for the anticipated four weeks. It only lasted two more days. The casino ordered us to shut down. The pay dried up after one week. Everything was up in the air, and it still is. At least I didn't have to fight the ethical dilemma of having to work whilst it wasn't the right thing to do for the pandemic. It's hard to do the right thing when you still need to pay the rent, electricity, your daughter's school fees, and your own raging book-buying habit. My show closed. Then the other two Spiegel World shows closed as well. And then they closed the schools. Then they turned off all the gambling machines and all the casinos closed for the second time in history. The last time was after the assassination of JFK. That shutdown lasted 24 hours. When the tsunami and the ensuing Japanese nuclear spill made me lose my Hawaiian contract, it was because the investors pulled out. Since the Hilton Resort that would house the show, La Soiree, which I was in at the time, had a substantial Asian clientele, which they expected to lose. And with that contract lost, I went to Australia and created a new one-man show, which I actually called The Way of the Showman, and booked some seasons with that, and I survived and kept the business of shows going by finding other contracts and other crowds. That is not an option now. This time, there are no other contracts on the horizon, anywhere, on any continents, and there are no crowds anywhere. The very thing my craft of showmanship requires is exactly what is not permitted in our new world situation. Gatherings of people are restricted. Having no crowds of people have become an important remedy in fighting the pandemic and saving lives. A friend performing in a palazzo show in Austria got shut down a few days before us, as a rule made gatherings of more than 100 people illegal. Across the world, that uh, number dropped and dropped until the United Kingdom forbade gatherings of more than two. As of the 23rd of March 2020, Regulation 7 makes it an offence for any person to participate in gatherings in a public space or a public place of more than two people. Closing the loophole. Two years ago, I found a loophole in my deal with the showbiz devil right here in Sin City, Nevada. I no longer have to continuously tour, leaving my family behind. And here in Vegas, I can go to work and come home like a normal person. I can be in showbiz and be with my family. I wrote about that loophole about two years ago, and perhaps I shouldn't have publicly announced it in my inaugural On the Way of the Showman blog, because now the devil has come back, and he's dotted his eyes and crossed his T's. Sin City is closed for show business, and most other business as well, and the devil doesn't do things by half. He shut down the strip, killed the whole of showbiz, to let all of us pious showmen sit in our social isolation and stew on our lack of significant transgressions. We had been too good for the devil's liking. He's disappointed with us all, and let that be a lesson to anyone thinking that they can trick themselves into a good deal in a bargain with the devil. The culprit. 
At this time, practically the whole world is in isolation. We're practicing social distancing to flatten the curve. Staying at home is not a sign of fear. It's showing that we care about those above 60, those with pre-existing conditions and the random others of any age and fitness who are dying and will die. We are collectively doing our bit to lessen the pressure on the world's healthcare systems. The COVID-19 virus is making a triumphant march across the globe and something like 20% of those who get infected need hospitalization. And when hundreds of thousands of people get sick, the 20% quite quickly exceeds the available hospital beds. And this is the crux of the problem. The pandemic will not die down until we reach herd immunity, which means enough people, about 80 to 90% of the population, needs to get immune. At the moment, we don't even know for sure whether having had the disease will provide us with immunity, at least not for sure. I heard America is estimating the death toll to become somewhere between 100,000 and 240,000. And these are staggering and unbelievable figures. It is a war going on, a war against a new tiny enemy. This war will shape us and our world, and there's no doubt about that. And some of these figures, because I'm interjecting into the thing here, it's, some of these are changed, but America has reached 100,000 already, so let's just hope it doesn't climb to the highest of 240,000. That's just so scary. All right. How long? When the artists of Opium were told that the show was shutting down, it was supposed to be for two weeks. I was at the time personally expecting it to be for three months. Now I think even I was too optimistic. A vaccine is a year to 18 months away. It'll remain bad for a long while yet. And that makes a case for 18 to 24 months of this crowd problem. It's not so bad for all industries, but for my fellow show folk across the globe, things will not improve rapidly, but we will prevail. The greatest show on earth will not be knocked over by hard times. In fact, in the past, our kind of entertainment has been exactly what people wanted during these hard times. Pure good times and emotional release, promise of catharsis through shared experiences in dark theaters and big tops across the globe. That's our business. 80% or more of those who get infected will survive fine, and out of them the majority will have minor symptoms. My hope is that, like it was the case with the swine flu when it came and went, that the 80% who are fine will be disgruntled by you know, the government, the world, or the Illuminati, and they will feel like they were totally overreacting. These are the people, I am crossing my fingers, that they will go, fuck the virus, or fuck the man. I am going to Vegas to laugh and drink and enjoy life, come what may. But that time is still very far away. In the meantime, we are all locked up in our houses, and if, when walking the dog, we pass another person, we hold our breath. How do we as performers deal with this new reality? What am I doing? The last weeks before the pandemic hit, I was busying myself with finally writing out my occult philosophical musings on showmanship, stringing it all together, all the loose ideas and concepts, into a book. And that made sense until showbiz died. 
all my ideas, thinking and contemplation on shows and showmanship became even less relevant than usual. The COVID-19 cannonball struck the showmanship below the waterline, and I was left with a sinking feeling that my whole philosophy and way of life was slipping below to the abyssal plains. My way, which I so confidently had picked out step by step, insight by insight throughout my life, had led me to a cliff edge. I found myself staring into an abyss which vacantly and ominously smirked back at me. I shivered, wholly lost. Waking up in this new world, it didn't seem appropriate to philosophize about showmanship. It seemed self-indulgent, but if not practicing and studying my craft, then what was appropriate to do for a showman? With showbiz dead, what am I? What's left of me? What is a showman? What is he for in this new reality? Some time passed. I became my daughter's teacher. The family and I settled into a new routine without work, without income, without certainty, and without any assurance my craft or way would ever rise from the dead. Trump promised resurrection and that it would uh, coincide with the celebration of Easter where Jesus also rose from the dead. And that ridiculous notion was quickly put to rest and replaced with the promise of more death and more uncertainty. But despite all this, my mind drifted back to the way. Sometimes the way falls away, a crag or hill hides the way ahead. But as you expect to fall, the way appears again. The way forward is, in the end, always the way you followed. It catches you and carries you along. It comes into being as you walk. Don't stop walking. You are more marvelous in your simple wish to find a way than the gilded roofs of any destination you could reach. As a quote from David White. Redefining crowd and material. I am still a showman, but what does that mean now? And what the hell is my next step? I dug back into my notes and pages, studying about that good old way, and hoped to rediscover the way onwards. For a showman is someone who faces the other way who has walked with the crowd, then turned around to face the others. I have mainly thought of a showman as one person facing a crowd. This is probably because that's what the majority of my career has consisted of. In our new reality, without big crowds, UK's legal crowd size being two, made me think of those who perform close-up magic. They perform tiny shows for tiny crowds. They might sit down with a couple, having dinner at a restaurant and accost them with the show. A closer performance can even be a one-on-one -on -one encounter, making it a gathering of two, one facing one other. This is just on the side of legal, even in the UK. A one-on-one -on -one performance doesn't have to be magic, but not every kind of performance immediately lends itself to a one-man show, like a one-on-one, one-man, one audience member kind of show. Some skills would need an enormous amount of creativity to be suitable. A showman must always know their crowd and tailor the material and presentation to suit. We must totally reimagine our uh, material. We must not focus on skills and tricks. 
These become obstacles of artifice, thus not suitable in a one-on-one -on -one situation. Specifically, if we're doing the shows in non-traditional venues, such as at home. If a crowd can still be a crowd with just one person, the core of what the show can be is revealed to be even deeper and more fundamental than one person presenting pre-prepared material to a group. It can be one person meeting another, having an exchange of attention and making a connection. The essence in the meeting between showman and the tiniest of crowd is not the pre-prepared material, but the connection. Perhaps thinking deeply about showmanship isn't so self-indulgent after all. The Showman's Obligation A showman's responsibility is to make sure the time and attention given by a crowd is rewarding and worthwhile. They need to feel like the time given was enriched, that their investment of time and attention paid off. Keep this in mind as you make the connections with whomever you are going to make connections. It is the only preparation needed for your material. In the warped space of the stage, the showman steals the crowd's time but like a twisted alchemical Robin Hood, he returns it refined as showtime. The Daily Show Your first crowd is the one inside your lockdown bubble. The experience of isolation shall be broken by connecting closer, by really being present with each other. Connections are made by paying attention, being present by taking time in the space of isolation to give each other our full attention. This is how we shall change our social isolation from equivalent to a pre-existing condition like smoking into a boost of our immune system. Well, this is a fraught term, the boosting of the immune system, but it gets the point across. For those of us with children, this isolation is a bizarre children's show. Remember this, you are constantly on show for them, more than usual. This isolation is like a pressure cooker. The post-apocalyptic record-breaking amounts of dead-in-a-day show that's going on all over our social media and on the news, that's going to be everywhere, but it is not the kind of show that kids should see. My daughter is paying close attention to my wife and myself, and we are putting on a show together. I believe once all this is behind us, and this is what I hope as well, I mean, but it is also what I believe, that my daughter will remember how we behaved and how our home felt during all of this, rather than anything about the virus. She is watching me and learning how to respond to uncertainty. The connections are made between us and inside our brains at the same time. How I act as a showman in this daily show will determine how the wiring of these connections will be, both between me and her, and inside ourselves. I am aiming for resilience, not fear, as the response to chaos. This will be the flavor of my pre-prepared material, in all my connections. Fingers crossed, I am man enough for this show.
And that uh, marks the end of uh, this uh, very first episode of The Way of the Shaman. I'd just like to point out that uh, you can find this podcast at Spotify, at Apple Podcasts, at Stitcher, and Overcast. So you can find it anywhere where good podcasts are found. And also, from being an ardent listener to podcasts over many, many years, I know how important it is with reviews. You don't have to write how much you like it, but click five stars. It doesn't mean much to you, but it means a lot to me. And with that, all that remains is to say thank you very much for listening. And take care of yourself and those you love. And I hope to see you all along the way. Thank you.